Welcome to Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series in the hospitality tabletop industry. Hosted by Dave Turner, Seat Yourself is 20 to 25 minutes of what's happening in the world of hospitality tabletop. Dave is the globally known chief evangelist and editor for tabletopjournal.com. A non-traditional journalist, Dave has spent nearly 30 years as a sales and marketing executive in the world of hospitality. This podcast was originally published in the week of August 19th, 2019, and runs for approximately 20 minutes. Welcome back, everybody, to our weekly Seat Yourself podcast. I'm Dave Turner. I'm your host here at Seat Yourself, where each and every week we bring you the latest news and information, along with a little commentary thrown in just for a little bit of fun. And of course, we have the lovely and the talented Shannon Talon, who joins us for our 60 Seconds with Shannon segment. Shannon is, of course, the category manager for tabletop and buffetware at Chicago-based Edward Don & Company, one of America's largest suppliers of equipment and supplies to the hospitality trade. This week, Shannon and I will discuss trends in unbreakable drinkware and serveware. You'll want to hear what Shannon has to say in this rapidly changing category. And of course, as always, she'll bring it to you as she always does, unvarnished and straightforward. And to follow up on an announcement we made last week about our new, yet-to-be-launched second podcast, We've been working on our demos here, and we've been tweaking the overall format, and we finally settled in on a moniker for this newest baby. In late September, we will launch the first episode of Every Other Thursday, a new, slightly longer podcast with a little bit of a different vibe to it, of course, with a format showcasing a unique product each week that will easily and without complication upgrade the overall guest dining experience. And in addition, we'll feature a roundtable discussion of the topics of the week with our industry experience panel, all unscripted and unafraid. So that's it. Again, our Every Other Thursday podcast will debut in late September. And as we get closer to that launch date, we'll bring you more specific information. And now from our Northern HQ here in Maine, with all that out of the way, let's get this party started. And now, as you regulars know, we always start each week's episode of Seat Yourself with our stat of the week. And this week's stat of the week is 40%. 40%, that's the percentage of on-premise patrons that use a rideshare when going out to bars or restaurants, according to research marketing firm Next Level. And now, while that number overall seems like a little bit of a stretch to us, we're sure there are many markets, particularly urban markets, where that figure could be much, much higher. Whatever that number is, the benefits to higher usage of ride shares, such as Uber and Lyft, are several, starting with increased beverage sales. Beverage customers are more likely to order a bottle of wine with dinner and then perhaps finish the meal with an after-dinner drink at the bar if they know, know they're going to be getting home safely. Additionally, the study found that patrons are likely to stay out later with an increased spending on the, for the evening, with much of that being spent on high-margin adult beverages. There has been some downside to the increased availability of rideshare providers, however, and that is the fact that valet parking companies have seen a decline in their business, to the point that many restaurants have modified their valet parking area to accommodate the growing line of Uber and Lyft vehicles. The research also noted that rideshares were the much preferred option over cabs, which tended to be much less reliable, with both guests and staff sometimes waiting long periods of time for a cab, only to have somebody else step up and get in ahead of line and grab the cab and go. And finally, the beer and spirits companies have gotten on board to partner with rideshare companies, particularly on holidays such as New Year's Eve and St. Patrick's Day, and even more recently, Halloween. 
With all the emphasis on safety and the growing awareness of problems associated with driving while impaired, it seems likely that rideshare growth among restaurant and bar patrons will continue to rise. And of course, keeping more people safe as they enjoy their evenings out is definitely a good thing. So, this week, our stat of the week is 40%, the percentage of on-premise patrons who use a rideshare when going out to bars and restaurants. And in our first news story of the week, I know some of you think that we may spend just a little bit too much time on the threats to the restaurant business and the permanent tabletop business from things like off-premise dining, snacking versus meals, the growth of convenience stores, uh, food and beverage, and a whole lot more. And by the way, all those threats and more are real. But in today's episode, I want to start off with something that I think is good news, and that is according to a recent Wall Street Journal article, consumers are willing to pay more for restaurant meals and food in general. With unemployment in the U.S. at a 50-year low and wages gaining more than 3% annually, consumers appear willing and in fact already are paying more to dine out and at the grocery store. Fast casual chain Chipotle and their CFO Jack Hartman told the Wall Street Journal, we are seeing no resistance to higher prices. And some restaurants that have seen declining traffic counts have grown sales by raising prices, with Texas Roadhouse cited in the Wall Street Journal article as a great example. But hopefully you'll remember that we already talked about Texas Roadhouse in a prior episode of Seat Yourself and how much we liked what their current strategy is for growing their business. Texas Roadhouse is a steakhouse chain that as a growth strategy decided on hiring more managers and frontline staff, all as a way to improve their overall guest experience. And guess what? The strategy is working because despite slight declines in overall traffic, Texas Roadhouse continues to see top-line sales growth. And the growth at Texas Roadhouse makes sense, as we hear from consulting firm Alex Partners, Chief David Garfield. You can raise prices up to a point, but you have to create underlying demand, according to Garfield. So it's good news on the U.S. consumer spending front. Consumers are still willing to pay and pay even more, but they need to be given a good reason for doing so. We believe the same holds true for permanent tabletop customers. Suppliers of all types need to be sure that they are clearly stating their value proposition and then delivering on it. Tabletop truly adds to the overall guest experience, and as suppliers, we must be able to show why our dinnerware or our glassware or our flatware or any other tabletop product that we bring to market how it adds value to the operator's bottom line. The tabletop suppliers who can do that and do it on a consistent basis over the long term are certain to come out on top. And in our next news story of the week, the Nobu brand started out as a great dining destination and opened its first hotel in Las Vegas in 2013. And now the Nobu brand covers 42 restaurant locations all around the world and nine hotels in places like London, Chicago, and Barcelona. And according to a recent article in Skift, the Nobu brand is now set to grow its number of hotel locations globally. In the article, which includes questions to Nobu CEO Trevor Horwell, he states that his company is targeting to add 40 new lodging locations all around the world over the next five to eight years, opening about four per year. Now, we've always loved the dining-first approach to hospitality that the team at Nobu takes. Whenever we present in front of groups, we use the Nobu brand as a great example of differentiated or next-generation approach to hospitality. We absolutely love how the team at Nobu uses food and beverage as a way to convey the overall Nobu brand as innovative, youthful, no matter what the age, and fun, and definitely not boring. 
With Nobu, it's always restaurant first, tapping into the great demographics of the typical Nobu restaurant guest. Not just a restaurant and not just a hotel, but Nobu as a brand. That's why we love the Nobu brand. So, with food and beverage at such a high priority for positioning the overall Nobu brand, it points out just how critical tabletop can be to them. And, potentially, how critical tabletop can be to all hotels. As CEO Horwell points out, all companies lose money or break even on F&B. We make just as much in F&B as we do in the room. So we want to give owners a return on both. What's the point of having food and beverage if it's just there to service 20 guests a day? Great point. The importance of food and beverage in a hotel's success needs more attention. And the importance of tabletop within a hotel's food and beverage success also needs more attention as well. So listeners, I know you can do it. Carry that message forward. Truly, tabletop matters. Crown Brands LLC has announced an exclusive licensing agreement with MCIC out of Garden City, New York. Of course, Crown Brands is the parent company and the owners of a variety of brands, including tabletop heritage brand Oneida Food Service. MCIC, on the other hand, also has a variety of brands and products, including the Lucaris brand of glassware and the Porvisol line of porcelain. This agreement includes the exclusive distribution of the Lucaris brand of glassware, which is known for its exceptional durability and its wide versatility. According to Tony Battaglia, CEO of Crown Brands, our licensing agreement with MCIC rounds out our tabletop portfolio, giving us the glassware partnership we need. It also provides us with the opportunity to provide renowned Lucaris crystal stemware, Spanish-made Porvisol porcelain, and to expand our offering into melamine. The agreement between the two companies will be effective of September 1st of this year. Besides the Oneida Food Service brand, Crown Brands has in its portfolio the Tomlinson brand, Johnson & Rose, Update International, Correct, and Focus Food Service. And under this agreement between the two companies, MCIC grants Crown Brands LLC an exclusive license for the manufacture, promotion, sales, and distribution of the MCIC product. MCIC CEO Keon Furzes stated, we are excited to be part of the extensive distribution network of Crown Brands. And according to Crown Brands, they are also very pleased to announce that MCIC CEO Furzes will continue to lead the MCIC sales effort. He will also serve as a special consultant to Crown Brands while providing training and guidance to the current Crown Brands sales team. This should be a great win for both sides, and we want to wish everybody involved the very, very best. Additionally, we expect more of these types of mergers, acquisitions, even collaborations to continue as suppliers find more and more challenges in getting their products into the increasingly competitive U.S. hospitality tabletop marketplace. Again, the very best of wishes to the team at Crown Brands and to the team at MCIC. For more information on Crown Brands and their products, visit their website at crown-brands.com. And for more information on MCIC, go to mcicusa.com. Now 60 Seconds with Shannon, where Dave sits down with Shannon Talon of Edward Don and Company and asks the question of the week. This week, Shannon talks about key trends in unbreakable drinkware and serveware. 
Hey, everybody. We're back here with Shannon Talon from the Edward Don and Company based in Chicago. And Shannon, the question of this week is now that warmer weather is coming around, we know that outdoor dining comes back into focus, particularly in the northern parts of our country. We've noticed some great collections of unbreakable, uh, unbreakable drinkware and serveware in the current spring tabletop advisor. But what are some of the trends in those two categories? Yeah, I mean, it's such a such a cool uh, such a cool category, such a cool part of some of the seasonality in our industry is uh, you know as things start to warm up in the northern half of the country, you know we're sort of the, the we're the reverse of the southern half, but um, uh, this category is one where I think we've seen a lot of there's been a lot of new product development for a couple of reasons. One, you know, we've talked about melamine before. Melamine is has so many applications, and I think the industry is really just scratching the surface with. Um, I think operators' acceptance of melamine and how they're utilizing it and um, can even use it as a, as a longer-term investment compared to product that can break and chip. Um, but again, we're seeing the, the trends that we see on the ceramic or porcelain side are just running adjacent with what we're seeing in the melamine or plastic or resin-based dinnerware. Um, things like, you know, the mimicking of reactive glazes, uh, whether that's through a decal or some coloring in the resin, um, you know, unique shapes. It's not just plain white round plates anymore. Uh, there are unique shapes. There are unique sizes. There are cool textures. There is all of that that we've we've talked a lot about before. Um, and it's great because it, it is unbreakable. So it's not just outdoor dining. You know, if, uh, you know, for, for operators that have uh, late night operations and they don't want their product to break as people might be enjoying more adult beverages, you know, particularly in the, in the drinkware space. They are switching from their glassware during the day to their plastic drinkware at night. Um, so there's a lot of operational um, efficiencies and applications for uh, the unbreakable product. And with respect to glassware in particular, I think we're seeing manufacturers try to further refine that product so that it's almost you, until you pick it up and feel it, you cannot tell the difference between that and glass. So the clarity uh, the clarity and just the crispness, crispness when you're looking through those glasses and the way the light hits it. Um, I think there's a, a lot of development there in terms of making that qual heightening that quality beyond even where it is today. And that is one that, you know, I, I think is also here to stay. I don't think we're going to see any slowing there because as manufacturers are, you know, spending a lot of money on new product development, um, a lot of them are turning to alternate materials, even if it's not plastic based, you know, we're seeing enamelware, uh, you know, continue to explode on the scene in a big way, uh, different, you know, wood products. And while there's, you know, certainly care and use considerations there, it's not just about, you know, plastic or melamine. So it's a really fun space and there's going to be a lot more to come there. Yeah, I mean, we, we've seen a lot of even pie, metal pie plates mm -hmm. and all kinds of great pizza pans uh, where people are serving salads. And so, so yeah, I, I think it's, uh, again, tabletop is whatever you can dream it to be. Now, here's Dave with this week's commentary. This week, Dave discusses how purchasing will look moving into the future. In today's commentary, I want to discuss the idea of how products are purchased and how they will be purchased going forward into the future. As we watch organizations of all types and sizes chase success both locally and globally, it becomes more and more apparent that customers and followers of companies and organizations want far more than just a new product or even a great price. Whether it's the B2B world or the B2C world that we believe is our playing field, we all need to recognize 
that it's really the B2P world, business to people that we're all playing in. Today, buying a product or supporting an organization is far less transactional and more about aligning ourselves or our company with a particular company or organization. Rightly or wrongly, people and companies are judged by who they align themselves with. We all want to know more of the core values of where we spend both our time and our money. We simply want to be sure that those values are aligned with what we perceive our own or our companies to be. And when selecting vendors, more and more decision-making weight is also being put on who are the leaders of the organizations that we're considering and what are their values. Today, an organization's reputation is built on its actions, not its statements or its marketing hype. And along with the organization's actions, the actions and the values of its leaders matter mightily in creating that reputation. And let's face it, in today's world, organizational reputation is everything. And remember, determining an organization's reputation today is made easier and easier with today's digital and informational access. And while there are many others, a recent example of a values-driven decision-making is the recent story from Bloomsburg about the art museum world titled, The American Museum is in Crisis. As the museum going public learns more about where a museum gets its funding and who its leaders are, they are assessing whether they should support that museum. People are simply making a judgment on who they want to align themselves with. And as the product and technology world continues to shrink and concept to market product development time evaporates, buyers increasingly have multiple options, which are often largely undifferentiated other than by price and by branding. But within that branding story, there needs to be the truth. Authenticity of who an organization is, is of higher importance than ever before. Perfection is not required, but honesty and integrity are. So the question becomes, what truly is your organization all about, really? We see far too many companies caught up on the treadmill of simply selling more products. Those that continue down that road are doomed to learn that price will soon be their only differentiator. Today's buyers and potential supporters, not to mention potential employees, are looking for more, a whole lot more. Values, purpose, and yes, reputation. They all matter. So, when was the last time you considered your organization's purpose? When was the last time you reviewed your organization's reputation? These are critical to your organization's future success. Both current and potential customers and supporters are waiting to see if you're worthy of aligning themselves with you and your organization. Well, that's it for this week's episode of Seat Yourself. And as always, I want to thank the Rockstar Category Manager, Shannon Talent, for joining us today. And of course, I want to thank you, our listeners, for joining in as well. And finally, I want to make a special thanks to the Edward Don and Company for sponsoring in part this episode of Seat Yourself. Edward Don and Company, everything but the food for nearly 100 years. And remember to be sure to check out their most recent Tabletop Advisor. You can download it from their website, www. Dot don dot com. Just go to the homepage and scroll down to the publications section. We'll see you next time, but always remember, Tabletop Matters. That concludes this week's episode of Tabletop Journal's Seat Yourself podcast series. 
For more news, information, and insights on the hospitality tabletop industry, be sure to check out tabletopjournal.com.